This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio, a fresh perspective on how to live your best life. Combining biological sciences, mind-body medicine, nutrition, and exercise. This is the place to get the big picture on health and wellness. Live from the iHub Radio studios in Palm Springs, California, here's functional medicine certified health coach and award-winning wellness expert, Jason Tate. Live in the studios here, it's it's Palm Springs, California. Thank you so much for being here, for joining me on this gorgeous day here in Palm Springs. And wherever you are, I am so thrilled that you're here spending your time with me as I talk about health and wellness. Tate Talks exists because everyone has a right to be healthy. Not only a right, but also an opportunity. Uh, I want to talk about that for a minute, actually. We have a right to be healthy because I've met so many people, uh, you know, walking around doing what I do. I do public speaking. I'm a teacher. And I've met so many people who have this, uh, they've given up. It's almost like a hopelessness. Like this is, this is who I am. Um, I'm just not healthy and, and this is how it's going to be. And I take all these medications and as a functional medicine health coach and also the other doctors and health coaches and people that I work with and, and network with and communicate with, we see this uh, all over the place. And it's not, it's, it's not necessary. What you need to do is reach out to somebody who has healed from these things and reach out as far as, you know, tapping into your own inner wisdom, but also reaching out to people who are going to give you a different answer than here, take all these medications. And this is what you're going to be doing the rest of your life. Uh, you have a right to be healthy. And so in this age of information and in where we, we, in which we live right now, there's, there's plenty of information out there. So be curious and be an advocate for your own health uh, because nobody's going to care as much about your health as you and unfortunately, we don't care enough about our health. So not only do you have a right to be healthy, you have an opportunity to be healthy in this age of information. And beyond that, and it's something I talked in the show about, I believe last week with Alex, was a responsibility. Because we don't live alone. We have a responsibility to be healthy, a responsibility to our loved ones, to our family, uh, to our kids, if, if you have kids. You have a responsibility to be healthy and, a, and the opportunity, and of course, you have the right to be healthy. And Tate Talks exist to provide information and support, to provide education and inspiration uh, so that you can just get up and do it. So that's why we're here every week, uh, Sunday, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Pacific time. The show is rebroadcast here on iHub Radio from 6 to 8 p.m. You can call the station during the show from noon to 2. You can call us at 760-544-TALK, which is 8255. Feel free to email us as well, studio at ihubradio.com. And please follow on Facebook. You can follow me, Jason Tate. I post recipes. I post uh, information about my show guests, what's coming up all the different information. You can follow me there on Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram, which is tatetalks.radio. And you can listen to all of our past shows at tate-talks.captivate.fm. All right. <laughs> Long intro there. 
I'm going to introduce myself in just a minute, but I have, I have a special opportunity today in the show with me that every, every week you hear me with Alexandra, but this week Alexandra is not here. I get to have the station manager, John, with me today. Good afternoon. Thank you, John. And You're I welcome. really, I really appreciate you filling in for Alexandra and running the boards. And I'm excited to do a show with you, to believe, believe it or not. I'm looking forward to it, too, because, as you know, uh, health care and health and wellness and nutrition and fitness are all really important priorities in right. my life as I began to make some serious changes this year and am dealing with some of the, the downsides of not having done a better job at this uh, <laughs> prior to now. That's all. That's so many of us, honestly. Yeah. And you're not alone in that. And it's a health journey. But it's never too late to start. It's which never is never too late. Which is the important thing to remember. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Thank you for saying that, too. That's such an important point. Never too late to start. Well, I lost 55 pounds and took my uh, uh, hemoglobin A1C from a, a 10.2 to a... 6.7 okay. in three months. And, Look at that. And my, uh, all my uh, blood work numbers and all that for things you know like cholesterol yeah, and, and all yeah. the other stuff they look at uh, went from being way out of whack to within normal ranges within you know, three to four months' time and, or close to, to it. And so uh, I, I figure that uh, if I can do it, anybody <laughs> yes, can do yes. it, right? Congratulations, Thanks. John. That's a tremendous accomplishment. But you do have to be committed to it. You do. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully you're catching on to some of the recipes that I'm sharing here on the show. And and one of the things that to me is also really important is, um, is just uh, knowing that once you kind of get on a routine for a couple of weeks, right. yeah. then it, it kind of fuels you. It reminds me of back when I used to travel a lot and... I became one of those people who, who got kind of crazy in their quest for building on frequent flyer miles. Oh, okay. And, and, right. and so it's like almost like the more plateaus you hit, the more you <laughs> want to hit, right? And it's the same yep, thing yep. with my health now. So I get a little disappointed. You know, like right now, I'm, I've been kind of put in the corner for a timeout, Jason, because yep, yep. <laughs> uh, I had a wound on my foot that meant I had to have emergency surgery the Wednesday before Christmas. And then since then, I've basically been ordered to be no weight bearing on my right foot. And I have this thing called a wound vac that is like a little vacuum with a hose that's attached to the wound on the bottom of my foot, uh, which goes with me everywhere and is on me 24-7. New buddy. And, and it is a pain <laughs> in the neck, but it is doing an incredible job in helping me to recover. Aww. But at the same time... I can't go to the gym now, and right. and yeah. you get tired of just looking around you, and it's easy to kind of get a little depressed about things and to fall into old bad habits. And yeah. so I have to keep reminding myself about the victories we've had and that we're going to have them yeah. again yeah. and not beat myself up too hard about That's it. That's great. That's you know? a great point. So yeah. I think you know it's, it's, it's really important that if you're on that journey, on that quest, and we all are really right. in some way or right. other, right? Right. To have people to surround yourself with the people who are really going to be supportive in it. Don't surround yourself. Yeah. Do not go and have dinner <laughs> with people who are going to sit there and have uh, Mondo uh, ice cream sundae or something yep, after yep, dinner or yep. eat things that are unhealthy for you to eat and, and right. kind of you know, make you, you know, have a yearning for those kinds of things. you got to surround yourself with people who are kind of on the same journey with you and, and have the same priorities. 
And, and a lot of that, you know, you bring up so many great points, John, honestly, a lot of that, your friends who know you and who are kind of going through this with you because our friends, our family, they go through our health journey with us. Right. It's an important point. You know, if you have somebody, um, like John, if you have somebody who is on their battle, right, doing their journey, and you want an ice cream sundae, please don't eat it in front of somebody else like that. Right. You know, do, do the right thing. Support your friend. Be there for your friend. If you still want that ice cream sundae, go have it after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? right. There think are some things that. that are not necessarily meant to be done together. <laughs> yeah, think about that, right? You know, be a like closet. If we're, having, if, we're have, if we're having dinner and we're doing something really healthy, we're at a seafood place. Yeah, support, and, and, and support we, your friend. And, and we leave there without having had any dessert. After you drop your friend off, you yeah. can head over to the Sonic drive-in and get yourself your, you know, triple malt, whatever. There you, you know? go, yeah. So some words of advice there. <laughs> Be a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, um, so yes, I have John here on the show with me. I'm so excited. We're going to hit some topics today. And I know John stays up on the news and he has shared with me recently some news about school meal programs. And so I'm, I'm going to launch into that right now, actually with um, kind of an upside uh, a story. I'm working now with four different uh, doctors from Eisenhower Health here locally in, in the Coachella Valley. And there's three medical residents in the family medicine residency that I've become close to and we're good friends. And um, and then uh, there's also a doctor actually who was the first guest on my very first show uh, back in November, on November 10th. So Dr. Joe Sherger, big shout out to him. He's been such an inspiration uh, to me and to so many others. And so um, I was brought together by Dr. Joe Sugar with these three other medical residents who I've known before, and they've actually been in my classroom and met with my students. And he said, you know, Jason's working on this project, this, this um, paper about the school meal program and how it's contributing to obesity with students. And we connected, and now we put together an abstract. And our abstract was recently, I was just notified yesterday that it was selected as a finalist in uh, a competition of sorts and we'll be presenting in March uh, in Phoenix at the American Heart Association's conference. And I just, I'm so excited to, to get some forward momentum on this. Um, I've had a target on my back a little bit here and there because I am the nutrition guy and, and I was kind of hesitant to approach the school meal programs at school because there's so many other things that I'm doing already positively for the kids. And for me, it's always kind of been about adding in the good stuff um, more than telling somebody or browbeating and saying things like, oh, don't eat this and don't eat that. You know, I'd, I'd much prefer to add in the good things than say, don't, don't do this and don't do that. And plus, it's a tricky thing to teach nutrition to teenagers anyway, or anyone for that matter, because nutrition, your diet is such a personal thing. Um, and so I, I've learned so much over the years about talking or broaching the subject. And now it's so political, especially when you're working with a school meal program. It's so political because here we have, you know, at the particular school that I teach at, uh, we have a very high uh, population of low socioeconomic uh, disadvantaged students, economically disadvantaged students. And for many, many of these kids, their only meal of the day, their only warm meal of the day, and their only real food of the day is the food that school provides. And it's so 
sad to, to, to know this. And, and so I don't want to ever discount or say anything bad about the schools, about the school, about the school program, about the district. They are honestly doing the very best they can to feed as many kids as they can the food that they can afford to feed them. And so I want to, before I say anything else, I want to definitely mention that everyone's doing the best they can, you know, at the school level, at the teacher level, at the cafeteria level, right? They want to just get food into kids and they see these kids that are starving. We have a, we have a homeless population of students, you know, number of students that are homeless, um, you know, and so all of that being said, such great intentions uh, in the hearts and in the souls and the minds and the hands of these workers and people putting food out there for the kids. Unfortunately, the school meal program is based upon an antiquated system set up by the USDA many, many years ago to promote certain agricultural products. And it is, it is highly possible. In fact, it is very, very likely that they're contributing to lifelong obesity among children into, uh, into becoming adults. So more on that. Stay with me. You're on Tate Talks. Health and wellness conversation from A to Z. This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio with Jason Tate. Jason Tate here, live in the studios, Palm Springs, California. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm here in the station with station manager John. Thank you, John, for being here and running the boards with me. You're welcome. Appreciate it. So, I'm talking about the school meal programs and. John was just reading to me a news story that broke on Friday, and I'm honestly appalled. Why? The uh, why? Why am I appalled? Yeah, I <laughs> because I care about kids, oh, and, yeah. and well, I care about health, that. and yeah. I care about them as adults. I mean, I, I so so. Here's kind of what happened. Let me just summarize this for you really quickly. Is that um, the USDA, which as you know. Uh, regulates right. uh, and specifies these right. things. During the previous presidential administration, the former first lady was very proactive in oh, yeah. advocating for healthier choices for right. kids and, right. and making sure because half of the calories that kids get in a day can come from school lunches. Like you were talking about, this can right. be the only real right. meal some kids get, right? And so um, these rules uh, have been modified or it has been uh, uh suggesting that they're going to allow more flexibility because they um, because they feel that the school districts know children best that they serve. And so the USDA said in this press release that the rules are now um, going to allow for more, quote-unquote, appetizing meals. Uh, and this includes things like burgers, french fries, and pizza. Oh and, you know, the sodium, the saturated fats, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's you know, less regulation. 
is and, what it is. And they're cutting back on the minimum requirements of fruit and vegetables. Is that what I heard? It is true. It is true. But this is how the uh, USDA in their press release positions it. Delivering on his promise to act on feedback from dietary professionals, U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue announced two proposals that will put local school and summer food service operators back in the driver's seat of their programs because they know their children best. Under the school meals proposed rules, uh, school nutrition professionals have more flexibility to serve appetizing and healthy meals that appeal to their students' preferences and subsequently reduce food waste. Now... Okay. Now, I know okay. that there's probably a lot of, of <laughs> teens and preteens yeah. who would probably love to have a couple of bowls of Fruit Loops. Or okay. Instead of, instead yeah. of uh, and baby Pop-Tarts. carrots. And, and exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come on. Jesus I mean, I don't mean God. to make this show political, but it, when well, sometimes yeah. there is a reason why we expect uh, people in leadership roles to be leaders in leading the way away from obesity. And I'll tell you something, as uh, uh, somebody who was a chunky monkey in grade school, um, I know that I was one of the exceptions and not the rule among kids out on the playground. I drive by playgrounds across this valley now, and I see kids out uh, for PE stuff and all that out in the the yards there. And I can't believe how many, and I don't mean hefty, I mean morbidly obese kids I see today. And and it scares me because as somebody who is a type 2 diabetic, I know how I got there. Well, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing, right? Not only... To process this information for a minute, it, it's so upsetting to me that it's mind-boggling that our government is not. Here's the problem, right? We're gonna this country is gonna go bankrupt because of our multi-trillion-dollar healthcare budget. You take away that. I mean, one of the main issues, and I was gonna actually get a little bit political already. One of the main issues is the amount of foods that are the types of foods that are given in our federally funded school meal program they are literally promoting obesity Um, and i see it i saw it as a as a teacher for many years just as a biology teacher i watched my students go from freshman year to senior year and put on 50 or 100 pounds during high school and i'm just like thinking this is alarming (laughs) you know i i've worked hard and I'm, and I still have to work hard, and I'm the same weight that I was when I graduated from college, which was a long time ago. And I have to work hard at it every day. But it takes discipline. It takes knowledge. Here's the other part. Years ago, now, they took away health as a requirement for graduation. So they're not even teaching health in schools. And then they kind of did a knee-jerk reaction um, at certain districts, which will remain unnamed. And they started adding in a couple of the health um, topics, such as sex education. And they said, they told the biology teachers, oh, you have to teach this now, in, a, in addition, because the kids aren't taking health anymore. And now the PE teachers and the biology teachers are teaching a couple of health topics. They're supposed to find time for them in their schedule, which is already impacted, because health is no longer a graduation requirement. And so... In addition, it, it feels like we're attacking kids on both sides. We're attacking them by taking away access to the information to learn how to live a, a strong, healthy, long life, free from disease. 
And now we're feeding them the foods that promote obesity and metabolic disease and so on and so forth. So here, here we are in a tough situation. Um, I have some solutions and I've been working on it, obviously, uh, for the last eight years now, I've been teaching nutrition to teenagers. And for the last four years now, I have a pre-med health academy that centers around nutrition and holistic healing. So there are some solutions and there's some great people and heroes out there working on this. So I'm going to share some of those with you. Stay with us here on Take Talks. If it's good for your mind and body, it's part of the discussion on Tate Talks. From iHub Radio, here's Jason Tate. Jason Tate here, live in the studio, Palm Springs, California. Thank you so much for joining me here on the station. Uh, I have here in the station with me, station manager, John. Thank you so much for running the boards and having a discussion with me as we're talking about some infuriating stuff. My gosh. (laughs) You know, the sad thing is, is that when it involves our health, the last thing we want to do is is hear about the politics of it. You right. Know? We we just want things to be <clears throat> right. We want clean air. We want clean water. We want to know that the food we eat is going to be safe. We want to know that the products we consume in different ways or we interact with stuff, that those things are going to not have unhealthy elements to them that are going to, you know, if the yeah. government's going to do one thing, what it, one thing it should do is protect us. We all want fire and police services, sure. right? Right. Yeah. So same thing. We need fire and police for our, air, for our bodies. Food. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so if you don't consider that part of public safety, you're crazy. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, I'm, I'm going to share some solutions before I do that though. I have a thought to digest, all right? So this is my kind of my weekly quote, a spin-off of what I do in the classroom with my students. This week's thought to digest is goes right up the alley here. All problems have solutions. It's just that some require more creativity to solve. And here we are. We we have a major major problem in this country with our healthcare, major problem with our health overall. If you look at the statistics, you just look at obesity statistics, it's staggering. And we're leading the world in that field. You talked about um, having access to and and the right to healthy food and healthy water and healthy air, that type of thing. Believe it or not, so I printed up the list of strategic goals for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the USDA. And one of their goals is to provide all Americans access to safe, nutritious, and secure food supply. Now, that's an interesting thing. Uh, when the USDA was formed in 1862, it was actually President Lincoln who formed the USDA in 1862. Their initial and primary goal, and it still is their primary objective today, is to promote the sales of U.S. agricultural products and promote economic development for farmers and, and that entire industry. And so it's, it's a money-based system. It always has been. And so where do we get the most bang for our buck 
as far as money, as far as U.S. agricultural products, well, just look at what the U.S. grows, all right? We have 91.7 million acres of corn growing in our country. That's 69 million football fields of corn. That's been chemically modified. <laughs> right, yes. To become basically yellow yes. sugar. Yeah, it is that. And, and they're claiming, the USDA claims that one-third of that is for animal feed, genetically modified corn for animal feed for pork and chicken and, you know, poultry and beef, um, dairy cows and steer and, and now fish they're, because they're feeding corn to fish because that's in their natural diet, apparently. <laughs> A third of it, they're saying, is for sweeteners and food. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't eat that much corn in the cob. 69 million no, I football I love the fields. taste of it. <laughs> I love the taste of it, but I actually, as a diabetic, I stay away from it. I maybe have it twice a year. It's pretty, yeah. Because and it's a disciplined thing yeah, to do that because it yeah. is good, tastes good. You'd yeah. think it's healthy because it came out of the ground. <laughs> but thanks to Monsanto, it's not that healthy. No, no. Thank you, Monsanto. Uh, and they're actually now a third. So the other, so two thirds is for animal feed and for. Um, for sweeteners and, you know, processed foods, and then some corn on the cob. And then they're saying actually a third of it is for ethanol because there's this big push towards renewable fuels, and which I don't have an issue with. I have an issue with the industry. Um, if we're growing corn for renewable fuel versus, you know, drilling for oil and that type of thing, that's another topic another day. I don't know if I'll even get into that. But, but what I'd like to focus on is, is what we're feeding our kids. And that's really what this story is about. And working with these doctors to kind of lift the veil and show and, and show what we're doing to, because I see these kids balloon over the course of a few years. Yeah. Aren't we actually double feeding it though, if we're feeding it to the animals that they're then consuming? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're feeding what you're, so if they're eating, if you're eating animals that are raised, that are sucked off of this genetically modified corn that we grow in this country, you're not eating an animal that's a healthy animal that's in its healthy environment. So these animals never evolved to eat corn, and so we're eating, we're feeding them corn. And because of that, um, 80% of the prescription drugs in this country go towards these animals because they're constantly sick all the time. Um, and so... We give them the, the prescription medications far more than for humans. Most prescription meds go to these farm animals because they're sick. They have cancerous lesions throughout their body. They are then slaughtered for hamburger meat. Um, it also helps them gain weight faster because it's all about get them to slaughter faster. That's what it's all, always been about. It's not the healthy animals that we're eating in this country. You have to seek out that. It is possible, but you do have to seek out healthy, grass-fed you know, the whole bit you've, I mean, really the safest way is to know a farmer <laughs> and know what they do because then you can trust the source of your food. So you realize that your information and your common sense are going to drive me to being a vegan. <laughs> I, if I had a nickel every time somebody said that, <laughs> but it's kind of true. It, what when kind you of think, true? When, if you are stop you and intellectualize it and think the whole process through, right. you're like, well, why don't I just drink Drano? Well, you've heard the saying, John, you are what you eat, right? Right. Everyone says that. You are what you eat if you know what you eat, like if you know what you're eating. But if you're eating a burger, you are what you eat eats. Right. 
you've got to think about the source. How yeah. was this animal, not only how was this animal raised, now I don't, I don't eat animal products, but how was this animal raised? How was it treated? And what is in that meat? Most of the hamburger meat in this country isn't even pure meat anyway. It's like 30% meat. Yeah. The rest is fillers and additives. Well, I hate to ruin people's lunch, but <laughs> honestly, I, gr- I grew up in a family. My father, for many years, owned a hide-curing plant. Oh, And okay. so I worked for him for a couple of years when I was in school. And um, and believe me, it's a filthy, awful job. Oh, but yeah. part of that job was going to the packing houses, you know, to the, to the slaughter floors and things like that. And seeing the whole process, one day he thought it would be cool to take me to the high-grade plant in Tacoma, Washington, to see the process of of the hot dog being made. Oh, it was very effective in um, <laughs> me not wanting to eat hot dogs anymore. <laughs> it was. I believe it. You know, and I don't think most people would eat them if they saw the process oh my either, God. start to finish. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it was. Who was it? Um, was one of the Beatles who said if slaughterhouses in this country had glass walls everyone would be vegan or vegetarian something to that effect there's some it's Paul probably Paul Paul yeah. Paul McCartney yeah so he said that and you know it, for me my journey I started doing the research it made sense to me my brother brought up the argument um, after I had visited a steakhouse and had steak, my brother brought up the argument and said, hey, have you ever like looked at our digestive tract compared to the digestive tract of a carnivore? Have you ever like thought about that? <laughs> and so my brother had been, you know, plant-based for years before I ever went plant-based. And so it was funny because I'm the biology teacher, right? And here he's talking to me about the biology and I'm a zoology expert. And so I said, yeah, I just never really thought about it. I guess. And so I thought about it. And the more I thought about it, the more research I did, it just didn't make sense anymore. Um, And for me, it was something that I ate because I liked it, because personal preference is number one for most people. They eat it because they like it. They don't know why they eat it beyond that. And so I started doing the research. Is this something that I need to survive um, or thrive? And it was something that I didn't. And so I, you know, I start, I cut back, I cut back on red meat first, still was eating some chicken and some fish on occasion. And then I started looking at the process, what you just described, the meat yeah. packing process, where well, it came I'm, from. I'm partially there. I'm pretty much, uh, if it has a wing or it swims, it's still probably in my diet, but um, I don't really eat much of yeah. anything that has four legs. Well, and there and there's so many delicious. I mean, if if personal preference or taste is kind of your bag, that I'm not going to promote any type of meat, alternative I, meat out there. But there are some alternative meats out there that I've been fooled really at, at some really good restaurants <laughs> yes. with uh, with chicken and pork and such flavored uh, tofu. So yeah, yeah. where I would not have known the difference if right. they hadn't told me. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so it's possible and more so now than ever, right. You know, in a restaurant and of course depends on what state you're in. Of course there's, you know, New York is great. California is great. Yeah. A couple states in between. Not so. A little rough in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's their meat and potatoes. Sorry That's to say, right. but yeah. That's right. So anyway, back to the kids. Um, so I, what I did was I fed one of my students for a week 
and I brought in delicious homemade food, um, all plant-based, and fed a student for a week. And I had that student pick up the breakfast that they get from school, the lunch, and of course their after-school snack. And so they brought it and I collected it for a week, five days in my classroom. And then we analyzed it. We broke it down, the macronutrients, the carbs, the lipids, the proteins. And it turns out that our USDA federally funded school meal program is giving kids around 230 grams of carbohydrates a day on average. Some oh days were god. over 300. Oh my god. Yeah. And <laughs> the World Health Organization states that anything beyond 50 grams of sugar a day is a serious health risk. And to put that in perspective, that is one can of soda pop. Well, it's about 36 grams, Yeah. right? Well, so yeah, a can yeah. and a half, yeah. Depends. Yeah, some of them as much as 55, but, but yes. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. And they're giving these kids, and so they start their day with, and it's, it's based on old information that fat is the enemy, and so they do 1% milk for the kids, and the 1% milk has 15 grams of sugar. It's a tiny, tiny carton. And because they want to get vitamins in the kids, they give them juice also. The juice is a tiny little carton, 16 grams of sugar, and a whole wheat donut. Here's your breakfast. They're starting their day with more carbohydrates than they should have all day. Add to that lunch, and this this thing in their lunch that they get sometimes is called an uncrustable, which is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, okay, with no crust. It's all, and it, they call it whole wheat, but it looks like white bread. It's, it looks like a, like a saucer. It's thick, and it has 60 grams of sugar. What? Uh-huh. 60 grams of sugar for lunch. Okay. In addition to their milk. I'm now at, at coma stage. Yeah, exactly. As a diabetic. Now try to be a student in a classroom learning, listening to your teacher, and being a good, like, add in all of the other distractions that kids are dealing with, with their cell phones and everything else. And then you add to this biochemical disadvantage where their blood sugars are rising and falling all day long. It's a mess. No wonder there's so many kids with syndrome X. Yeah, it's a mess. Stay with us. You're here on Take Talks. Inspiring you with the tools and knowledge to make the necessary changes to live life optimally. This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio. Thank you for joining me. This is Jason Tate live in the studio of Palm Springs, California. You can follow us on Instagram at tatetalks.radio. Follow me on Facebook, Jason Tate, also on LinkedIn as well. Uh, and join us every Sunday from noon to 2 here at iHubRadio.com. Can I and mention also that your yeah, show yeah. is now available in a podcast that people can, if they're already uh, on Apple Podcasts, which oh, used yeah, to be yeah. iTunes, 
uh, or on Google Podcast or Stitcher or TuneIn. Uh, uh, and there's a couple others I'm forgetting at the moment, but um, we're going to actually <laughs> put a story on the iHubRadio.com oh, homepage okay. this week about it. Uh, and it's available. All the episodes are available uh, through there as well. Awesome. So whatever your uh, podcast services that you subscribe to for podcasts generally, yeah. you should be able to actually uh, subscribe and have it automatically downloaded. Excellent. Yeah. Love that. Thank you, John. You bet. And also, I'm curious. So on tate-talks.captivate.fm, there's a little um, short bio about yep. what the show is about. Is that also the case it is. with the podcast? Yes. Okay. So it, that all that information, we use Captivate to... Um, be our centralized source for for the distribution of the podcast. But all that information is transmitted to all of those different sources with every episode so they can get the rundown of of what's on each one. So if if you have an iOS device, you use an iPhone or an iPad or something like that, or if you have uh, an Android device, you you could either go to the Apple podcast or the Google podcast and just subscribe and you'll get all that stuff right to your device. Thank you so much. Yep. That's so cool. So we're just, I want to wrap up the conversation I was having about schools and kids and feeding our kids. And so this, you know, I'll wrap up the, the topic of it. I'm, I'm definitely going to come back and share more about this as I work with the local health professionals here in the Coachella Valley. If you are a student or if you have kids in school, it's time to stand up. It really is time to stand up for yourself, for your kids. Our kids deserve a safe, healthy place. You know, when you trust the schools and you send your kids off to school, you trust them to breathe clean air, you trust them to drink clean water, and you trust them to be supplied food that's going to nourish their body and their minds. And it's, I'm telling you from an expert in nutrition standpoint, a biologist, a father, you know, a health coach, it is not the case in this country, and we need to stand up for our kids and our families because if we don't do something radically now, then the statistics that have been happening over the last 30 years, which are staggering, are going to double, and we're going to be in a world of hurt, and we're going to have to do a knee-jerk reaction in this country to fix it. And so please stand up for your kids, for your families. Um, that being said, I'm going to launch into empty your cup right now, uh, which is a mindfulness piece. Um, and so I kind of want to end this segment on a positive note. (laughs) So as far as, um, you know, working through issues and problems, and I had said, you know, some problems, all, all problems have solutions. Some of them just require more creative solutions. Um, for this, this is a problem. We have solutions. There are creative ways to go about this. And a lot of times in my show last week, um, so episode nine, I spent an entire hour talking about mindfulness and the power of kind of going into your subconscious and working through problems. We have answers to all of our internal problems and the problems within our lives in our subconscious. And so through meditation, we can actually tap into this tremendous wisdom that we have. Meditation, and here's your empty your cup for the week. Meditation, the goal of meditation isn't to control your thoughts. It's to stop letting them control you. So in the next hour, I'm going to have a guest on the show. I'm, I know that we're going to talk about meditation because we're going to talk about yoga. 
And we're going to definitely, I'm going to bring that up again and inspire you and hopefully ask you to set aside uh, some time every day, if not every week, to have some creative thought, sit in meditation and contemplation. Last week, I had a medical hypnotherapist come and be a guest in my classroom teaching my students how they can drop into hypnosis or meditation for one minute and go to a very special place, their favorite place. And it was transformative for them. Uh, It really was because of the amount of stress that kids are dealing with and people, just people in general, we're all dealing with some stress. So it's an important, it's important to know or even be reminded that you can just sit there for a moment, close your eyes and think of your most favorite place to be in the world. And you can go there in your mind and kind of just go on a little mini vacation. (laughs) So, and then come back to the present situation that you're in and be able to attack it with a new mind, a beginner's mind, a mindfulness mind, and have a much better lens in which to work through whatever issues you're dealing with or handle the situation. So another quote, um, this one by Tony Robbins, and this one is relevant um, because of what I'm going to be working on as far as improving the school meal programs, either locally or nationally, whatever I can do. Tony Robbins says, if you can't, you must. And if you must, you can. Such an important thing to think about, knowing that I I really feel like I must do something about this. And I've hesitated for years because I didn't want to paint too big of a target on my back uh, at the school and among administration. But honestly, if I'm not going to speak up for the kids, who's going to do it? So I don't want to be alone in this. I definitely want support uh, from people and I feel extremely supported now by Eisenhower Health and the Family Medicine Residency Program uh, and the wonderful doctors that they have there at their institution. So we're moving forward with this. And the information is great. The education around nutrition is sound. There's so much information now that is available, that is possible. However, the USDA and our federal governments are making decisions based upon nutrition information that is antiquated, old, and outdated. It's just, it just doesn't serve anymore. So we're going to be moving forward. And I'm actually, I'm excited. You know, there's another person, I, I don't even remember the name of the film or the person, but, you know, he said, you know, there's two ways to look at this. You could look at it as, oh my gosh, you know, what a terrible tragedy. Here we are. You know, it's a sinking ship <laughs> and have that sinking ship mentality. Or you can take another lens and look at it and think, gosh, what an amazing and exciting time to be alive. And what a great opportunity to make a difference and leave a legacy. So in the next hour, I have an amazing guest, a local here in the Palm Springs area. Um, She's going to be talking to us about her yoga practice, her story, her inspiration. Stay with us here on Tate Talks. (laughs) 